Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the World Cup on Caught Offside. Rivaldo! Oh, it's come on, God! Rivaldo! Brazil in front! It's Ronaldo! And Donovan has scored! Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA! And it's for Kurtzsa! And Germany are the champions of the world. It's Mbappé! Now, here are your hosts, Andrew and JJ. Oh, yes! Caught offside from just outside New York City and from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew Gunling, J.J. Devaney, part three of our World Cup tune-ups continue. What's up, brother? At the Conquer, Conquer Cafe, corruption and lying, Jack Warner still trying to avoid extradition but he's going to be extradited our friend ken bensinger tweeted today jack warner has lost his appeal and can be extradited now to the u.s in the fifa corruption case this is huge news and even more so just days before the world cup what a way to start oh and and hopefully justice will be served because Lord knows that guy has it coming to him. Um, wow. I mean, I just finished watching the uh, the four-part Netflix documentary on FIFA. It, like we said the other night, it's spectacular. Um, when, I, when we talked about it the other night, I was only halfway through. Now I've seen the whole thing. And just, I mean, like I said before, Jack Warner is just like, if we're ranking villains here, and Lord knows it's a, it's a lengthy list, uh, is he number one? He's right near the top. If he's not one, he's top three, certainly. I think in terms uh, so wow. In terms of using his influence to completely feather his own nest at the cost of those he's supposed to be advocating for at FIFA, there's no one comes close to him. He was he was unscrupulous. Yeah. And I think the way for me, like there were a lot of guys there who were clearly corrupt where it was just like a way of doing business. Like that was the only way they knew was corruption. And he was certainly one of those, but he was a lot of those, but like, but what put him over the top for me, maybe other guys were like this. They probably were, but this documentary focused on him, the way he, his treatment of the Trinidad and Tobago national team, after they finally qualified for a world cup, they did it. They achieved this dream for this tiny Island nation. Um, they had put their, you know, they, they, like I said, they, they looked at him almost as like a mentor, a father figure. They looked up to him. And then the way he completely betrayed them financially, it was just, it was just the 
pinnacle of disgusting behavior from FIFA, uh, from FIFA personnel. And he's just, I can't help it. Like he's just the face that I apply to all to so much of the bad at FIFA. So to get that news, uh, I hope justice is served because that is not a good guy. Uh, so no, and, and, and the idea, whatever happens, sorry, Andrew, he's got it coming. But, but the idea that he can escape American justice because of, you know, whatever agreement uh, that uh, Trinidad and Tobago as an entity, as a, uh, a sovereign state had with the United States is for this long. I mean, he's got away too long. I don't want to ruin the documentary for for anyone, but this is a guy who was willing to throw his kids under the bus and walk away himself because he had the protection of the of the state of Trinidad and Tobago. Like he literally left his kids in Miami to be arrested by federal agents while he said, yeah. best of luck to you guys. Yep. That was it. Those were his parting words as they basically took the fall for him. Uh, good luck. Well, good luck to Just, you because I hope uh, the long arm of the justice department reaches in, grabs him and makes him pay for the money he has built out of everybody else. This is a, what a podcast we have coming up for you. What a start to, uh, to this podcast. We're going to, uh, like we said, this is the mailbag special. You know, we do these before our Premier League season previews, and so we figured it was fitting to do one before our World Cup preview because uh, we've been getting – I mean, I've been seeing some of them rolling in on Twitter, on Reddit, which, by the way, Twitter might be in its final hours here. So, like, I, I've been seeing some of the stuff on Twitter, and it's like people are acting like this is kind of the uh, – like the the meteor is making its way towards – towards this entity and it's kind of just like Gamora has broken out now. Well, allow me <laughs> so to use that's the, where we're at. allow me to use the, the Titanic analogy. So we should be boarding a boat to Mastodon, but me and you have stopped to listen to the band playing the cello and playing the strings as we yeah. should have been gone ages ago. Yeah. For, for however much I may detest Twitter at times. I'm. I think I'm just going down with the ship at this point. Oh, me and you. I will salute into the icy yeah. waters, holding hands. I'll never let go, Andrew. Yeah, but only one of us can survive. I guess it'll be a fight to see who can fit on that uh, that floating door <laughs> as we make our way towards. Instagram. Tell them about the podcast. <laughs> so we, <laughs> so we've got a lot of mail to get through. Um, I, I've kind of half looked at these. JJ compiled. So if yours doesn't get read, uh, I the finger of blame is pointed squarely at him. Uh, he's responsible. But I, I can't wait because sometimes our favorite podcasts are the ones where it's just like a rapid fire assortment of questions. And we're certainly going to get that tonight. And it's going to be around the World Cup. Um, JJ, I am, I'm sure you can tell I am just like buzzing for this event. I This is peak excitement, Andy. All right. You're getting it right now. I've been waiting so long for this, for the U.S. to be back in it. Um, and we're kind of, I mean, we're we're on the doorstep. And so, you know, we've been recording these pods so late at night. And yet, like, I, I couldn't feel more fresh. Like, I'm just energized for all of these. It's it's wonderful. It's just so it wonderful. It is good to see you in this form. Um, I would say our live stream is Sunday, 9 p.m. on YouTube. You've been flocking to YouTube, guys. We're almost up to... 2000 subscribers in a very short period of time get to the youtube because that's where the pre wales show will be the warm-up for us versus wales will be on youtube 9 p.m go subscribe turn the notifications on i i I mean i can't keep telling you to do it just go and do it i can't wait for that oh my god 
Oh my God. Oh my God. Um, so we're going to get to, uh, to all of your mail or, or at least some of it, whatever JJ selected, we're going to get to all that in a sec. Um, before we, we do that though, you know, like the way we started this podcast tonight, you gave the update on Jack Warner. Um, I mean, look, if you've been listening to us for long enough, basically since, I mean, we, we came on a few years after Qatar was chosen as a venue, but over the course of, of many years doing this podcast together, I remember doing special pods around the, the FIFA arrests. I mean, we, we've obviously covered a lot of this and we've covered a lot of everything. We covered going Chuck Blazer's specifically. That's right. We, it was Ken Benzinger that we had on yeah. then, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's nothing that we've ever been, it's never been a topic that we've been afraid to shy away from, but it sort of dawned on the two of us as we've been going through these previews that, you know, we've been covering like the fun side of the sport and, and that is ultimately what we're excited about. That's why we're doing this podcast. Uh, it's what we love about this game. It's for the fun stuff, but like, I would always feel uncomfortable I guess if this podcast came or if this tournament came and went and we never really like devoted serious time in our preview podcast to kind of share our thoughts on, on this tournament and where it's being held and the controversies around that. Um, I don't know. And I'm, I'm guessing you feel, I know you, I know you feel the same. I I do feel the same. Um, I'm excited for football matches, but everything else leaves me cold and, and grubby and, um, disappointed all those things it's um yeah it's a bad place to have a world cup it's a bad world cup to be having not just the time of the year the very place that we are having this world cup is not right um and it should be acknowledged and we should say that and and there have been people in touch saying well you guys are going to make x or y off this world cup um and you're promoting the world cup etc and i i do accept that but we never asked for this nor did the regular fan ask for this. Um, and my best hope is that we know so much more now about Qatar as a country, as a culture, as a society, and that the fact that we have really good journalists covering this World Cup, in some way it sheds a light. Uh, and also it just feels too late. It, not to go back to the FIFA documentary, but the overwhelming tone of the end of the FIFA documentary was this is happening Mm -hmm. and it's not right, but it's happening. So how do we, how do we negotiate that? Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's kind of put every soccer fan into an uncomfortable position because like I just said, I'm buzzing for this tournament and I can't, I'm not going to fight that feeling. I mean, this is, this is a sporting event that I cherish that all of you out there listening cherish um, and it's hard to suppress those feelings. I think that there's room to balance both. You can be excited about the sport while being appalled by the nature of some of what's going on around it. I think that that's life is not always black and white. Uh, you know, we we talk about that extensively, and I think that that's it's fair to feel that way. I don't think you have to feel guilty for feeling that way. I think it's I think that's fair, and I think we all kind of feel that um, around this tournament. And you know, like we said, JJ, like the soccer is going to start, and that's going to be our focus. Um, once this tournament starts and things, you know, as things happen throughout the course of the tournament pertaining to off the field issues, we'll, we'll discuss them. But it felt like this was kind of one of, I don't know, one of the, the, the main kind of last chances to really delve into this before the, before the soccer really takes center stage. Um, and so just like some of my thoughts off the top of my head is just like, I kind of want to start by saying that 
when talking about Qatar as the host site, um, I, I don't want anything to be misconstrued here. Like, I want to start by saying essentially that this sport is for everyone. So anything that I say over the course of this conversation, I don't want it to be interpreted in any way as me believing that the Middle East should not be allowed to host a World Cup. I don't believe that. It was beautiful to see a World Cup held in Africa. That was an important moment for the game. No region of the world should feel excluded from the sport. Okay, I, I, I want to put that out there. I feel strongly about that, genuinely. And like, by the way, as an offshoot to that, even regions that we believe to be more developed soccer nations, like they've exhibited enough problems in the recent past to make you question their qualifications as well. Wembley for the Euro final. Paris, you were there, JJ, for the Champions League final. Like, you know, there were plenty of problems there too. This is not just like, oh, I, I don't trust this part of the world. It should only be in these parts of the world that I do trust. No, 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 it's not like that. So I approach this conversation fully identifying that no nation is 100% perfect or even 100% suited to handle an undertaking that is really as like overwhelmingly massive as this. Now, with all of that out there, having said that, here is what I believe. If the host nation you select needs to spend $220 billion to make the tournament go on when the next most expensive World Cup costs just $11.6 billion, it's fair to question that host nation. If the host nation you select forces a disruption to the football calendar that could impact the caliber of the competition, it's fair to question that host nation. If the host nation you select makes a certain group of people, in this case the LGBTQ plus community, feel that they need to hide who they really are while they visit the games, or worse yet, feel that it's unsafe to even attend them, it's fair to question that host nation. And if the host nation you select feels that the only way they can make these games happen is by employing what comes dangerously close to being considered slave labor at the cost of, according to The Guardian, more than, some reports say, 6,000 lives, you can be damn sure it is fair to question the host nation. And if all of these factors are present, well, then you know what? You picked the wrong host nation. That's where I fall on this. It's wrong. It's wrong that the tournament is being held in this place. I I couldn't agree more with you, and I don't really have anything that can echo those words any better. You've laid it out very clearly. I would also say that there will be responses to what you said there that will go into, I don't like the term whataboutery. It's almost like sport washing. We're using the terms too much. But they'll say, well, you know, what about Russia? Uh, what about Brazil? Sure. Both hugely pro sure. problematic countries. But for me, like, by the way, the U.S. is going to host the next World Cup. We have our problems, we too, have, we, 100%. We have, but like, you know, there are things that are like a kick in the shin isn't as bad as a punch in the face. You know, we can we can be nuanced about Correct. this. We can talk about different degrees of bad and wrong. And I don't think the World Cup should have been at Russia. Did I enjoy the World Cup? I sure as hell did. I thought it was a great World Cup, but it shouldn't have been there. And and look at the way it emboldened a a autocrat. I I think that this World Cup, through the corruption that brought it to Qatar, and through the fact that it is the nation of Qatar itself, is wrong, and it shouldn't be happening there. But it is, um, and I would urge people to look at the writing of a friend of of the podcast who's been on many times, Tarek Panja. Just today, he wrote in the New York Times about the World Cup's forgotten team. Hundreds of thousands of Nepalese were part of an army of migrant workers 
who remade Qatar for its World Cup moment. But in chasing desperately needed paychecks abroad, many pay a heavy price. I mean, they estimate that more than 2,000 people returned to Nepal after doing that work in coffins. And we saw some of them in the FIFA documentary being rolled through the airport like luggage. These little... I'm, I'm Catholic, so we have relatively fairly ornate coffins. These things were not that. These were paupers' boxes on luggage carriers back in to Nepal. And one of the shots was of a woman who sent her husband out, a young woman, a young mother, who sent her husband, or whose husband had been sent or went, whatever way you want to phrase it, and came back in a coffin. Now, that is wrong. There is no amount of Harry Kane hitting top bins, no amount of Coca-Cola selling their product, no amount of McDonald's, no amount of Greg Bearhalter that is worth any of that. And that is just a fact. Now, again, having said all this, well, guys, why are, why are you covering it? We're covering it because we love ball. That's why we're doing it. And that is a very complicated place to be right now. I wanted to do more World Cup previews, but I can tell you that one of the people I approached to give me the lowdown on a major European nation just simply responded, JJ would love to. I don't want to talk about this World Cup. And that is the way many people feel. So if you're not listening to us over the course of the World Cup, I'm sorry you're not, but I understand it. And and that is a fine reaction to turn off the TV and go watch the NFL or go for a walk or whatever you want to do. I understand that. But, um, but it's important to lay it out that we're not comfortable with what's happening, but here we are. Yeah, that's it. Like, it's unfortunate that like to enjoy this tournament that we look forward to and hold so dearly, you have to hold your nose to do it. Um, and like, and to see the way, things have already begun. Um, I mean, just kind of like the Danish TV, like Qatar, their whole thing. Yeah. Like Danish TV. I was listening to the ESPN daily podcast today and Sam Borden, um, who's great. He's on the ground there in Qatar. And he said that, you know, he, he told a, a story that like camels came by with like men riding camels. It just felt like an interesting thing that you would, that you might only see in that part of the world. Like, an interesting moment, nothing bad about it, just an interesting thing that he wanted to document. And so he did. And immediately someone appeared beside him and told him he had to stop filming. And it's just, it is just the most uncomfortable of world cups, which is saying something considering Russia just occurred four years ago. Um, but this, this idea that like the, the hand of big brother is always right around the corner. Um, I mean, I, can you go to this world cup and feel truly comfortable and let your guard down and have fun? I mean, it, it's just one of the strangest large scale events in sports that I think we've seen in, in quite some time. Um, I, and it's just, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that it was selected and that people have been put in this position. I would, I would say, um, I would say one thing about, we've become very cynical in this country and in some cases, rightly about, um, about journalism and about reporting and broadcasting. Um, but there are some fine reporters going to be in the ground. Sam Borden, Grant Wall, Miguel Delaney, James Horncastle, um, Ken Early, Tarek Panja. 
these people will be telling you about the games. They'll also be telling you the truth about the country. And I think it's important that everyone listens to them, absorbs the content, uh, while simultaneously watching the football and enjoying it. I think we can, we can do both those things. Um, and, and if there was a sports washing effort to wash the, the reputation of Qatar, I don't think it's worked. I think if anything, we know way more about this, no, this, I th- this country than we ever did. Yeah, I think that's the great irony here, JJ, is that like one of the, the purposes the, for Qatar to want this event, I think, was, you know, was to try to exude a certain image to the world. And instead, it's <laughs> it has kind of shown a light on uh, the dark side of Qatar. Um, and I'm sure that was not not what they were anticipating. But I mean, look, in the end, um, if one of the if one of the unintended consequences to this is that a light is shine on the problems there and it does cause some sort of reform, which, by the way, has already started to happen in the way of of workers rights in that country. Now, for untold numbers of of workers there, it's come too late and it's come at the cost of far, far too many lives. Um, lives which, by the way, Qatar are not investigating. All of these, so many of these deaths are going uh, uninvestigated, being ruled to natural causes. But um, there, these are not these are not natural causes. Um, but if if in the end, you know, reform comes from this, then uh, at least that's that's a small win uh, to the World Cup having been there. But like I said, it will very much be an unintended consequence. Yeah. This World Cup was never meant to go there to try to bring change to Qatar. It was, it went there because it was bought and paid. No, for. there's no, there's no wins here. It will be just a consequence, something that's happened that may be positive, but that's it. Yeah. Um, All right. So I don't have much else to say on it for now. I mean, like we said, things, things will happen over the course of the tournament. If, if people who listen to this podcast happen to be there, um, God, I would love for you to kind of correspond with us in in any way you can. Caughtoffsidepod at gmail.com. We've got some listeners uh, there. The Caught Offside Reddit page. Yeah, sorry. We've got some listeners there. Um, They've reached out. I will get back to them and uh, we'll get some stuff off them, whatever we need to get. I mean, I would just so love to hear the experiences of people who are there. And by the way, I know we're doing this, talking about this in a certain section of the podcast. I mean, yes, if you if if you're seeing things that are unusual, if you know that kind of thing, yeah, we'd love to hear. It. But I want to hear about the good stuff too, and see videos of you having fun at games and things like that. So uh, I, I want to hear about all of it. But um, but yeah, there's sadly there's an ugliness to this World Cup, and um, we're not we're not two people who are going to run from talking about that kind of thing. So if it continues to come up over the course of the tournament, we'll continue to talk about it. At tw- um, on Twitter, you can get us wh- wh- as long as Twitter um, lasts at CO soccer pod at caught offside pod on Instagram, caught offside pod at gmail.com. Find us there. Uh, JJ, shall we now dive into the mailbag portion of this world cup preview? I am driving this ship. I hope to not run it into the rocks. Away we go. And let's start with Twitter. John wants our favorite slash least favorite kits. Um, Now, we did do this before we left um, ESPN. So we have to do it again because there are new listeners. And um, that was our other life. This is our new life now. So I'll do this very, very quickly. 
uh, my favorite slash least, least favorite kits. And it, it follows a very easy trend. Adidas equals pure fire, as the kids might say. Puma and Nike, mm-hmm. eh. So the Wales home jersey is an absolute, it's gorgeous. Uh, Japan home, gorgeous. Argentina home and away, beautiful. Uh, Mexico away in particular is the design on it. The Aztec design, truly a work of art. Uh, those are those are some of my favorites, least favorite. I, I mean, we've been we've been dunking on the U.S. kit for so long, but I still think the home kit, if we go on a run, <laughs> will be iconic. But I will give you one that I one Nike kit that is unfathomably bad. The Dutch have an iconic orange kit. Nike got it so right with the Euro two thousand effort, which was I think was their first. Um, Dutch kit that they did beautiful effort with the black trim and the and the good orange and now they don't know what orange is they've come up with some kind of diluted orange if you got a if you got a um, a Tropicana or a Sunny Delight and you poured water through it that's what they've got for this jersey it's it's closer to gold than it is orange those are my uh, those are my kit um, kit contributions uh, my favorites. I agree with you about the Japan blues. Oh, I think they're. I think it's just great. I, I love it. Um, Brazil's yellow jersey. It's not all that different from what it usually is, but it's usually awesome, and it continues to be. Can't go wrong with it. Can't mess it up, and they haven't. Uh, agree with you about Argentina. Mainly the 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 regular one, like the home Argentina. I home think the jersey. away is underrated. I like that one more. It's interesting and different, but you know I'm I'm not either of those things. I'm not interesting, nor am I different. I'm I'm generic, uh, so so that's where my sensibilities lie. I'm not interesting um, or different. Good in Lord. terms of in in terms of my least favorites, don't love the Serbia white ones. I don't know that gold outline around the number in the middle. It's just I don't know. It's a weird pattern. It doesn't work for me. I would never I would never buy that. Portugal. They got this one wrong. The weird kind of diagonal slash down the middle separating the the red from the green. It just, I don't know. I just, it's just like, it makes me feel weird looking at it. Um, South Korea, I think, didn't come out very good. Either one. Um, I mean, they've got the kind of strange colored one, which again, never going to be my style. But even their normal red ones, like I think, I don't know, just looks like, looks kind of mid 90s ish, but not in a good way. Like, I don't know. And then, JJ, I mean, look, the USA ones, we, we'll talk about it for the rest of our lives. Uh, I think I, I detest them. Um, the white ones, I guess, are not horrifying. The blue is a disgrace. Uh, I'll say that. The, blue, the blues are awful. Here's what I'll say, though. If the U.S. go on some kind of run, they'll become iconic. I told you that. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll learn to take ownership of them and love them. For, for their weirdness and will associate them with this great with a great memory. So there's a chance that this could all turn for them. But as it stands right now, before a ball has been kicked, I just the blue the black and blue one, I just I just despise it. I don't know uh I don't know how many other ways there are for me to say it. It's just a sad thing that uh, we're finally back in this moment. You want to look good, play good. We may play good, but we we will not check both boxes. That's how I feel. Miles Costello or as they'd say in Boston, Castello. Does Belgium correct way. have the most pressure of any team? They have never been to a World Cup final, and this is their golden generation's final chance. I actually think the opposite, Miles. I think with the build-up they've been given, most people are writing them off. Um, our good friend, Michael 
uh, Goodman put out a nice little thread of his thoughts ahead of the World Cup, and he thinks Belgium are not going to be good. And I think if they if they go with the elder statesman, mm. that's probably going to be the case. They're they're not going to be great. Um, my my thought is that that media coverage, I think it takes a bit of pressure off them. Um, I think it won't be pressure that makes them fail. I think it'll be just the fact that they're just a bit too ripe, too too old. I love this question. Oh yeah, I find it fascinating the idea of the idea of pressure and who's like really feeling it going into a world cup because like any event that only occurs once every four years pressure even for even for like a team with no pressure there's a ton of pressure so there's a select few so i've gone through here um and i've identified my top five for who's feeling the most pressure at this tournament it's not necessarily in any order so i'll I'll roll through them you tell me what you think the pressure five brought to you by gundling here we go. Uh, I will start with the team that the question was based around, and Belgium are very much in my pressure five, and very much for the reason that was identified. Like they had this golden generation, and he's right. Miles is right. Like the the window hasn't quite closed yet. It's really, really close. This does feel there are still good players coming through the Belgian pipeline, but this does feel like the end of what was that generation. Okay. And we debated on the last podcast or the, when was it last podcast or two pods ago um, about how this era for Belgium will be viewed right now. There's a lot of debate. You could see it either way. It maybe it's been a success. They, they did get to a semifinal. Um, they got to a quarterfinal. They hadn't been to either of the world cups leading up to this generation in 06 and 10, they didn't qualify. So you could see it that way, or you could see for all this talent that they had uh, not good enough. Not enough semifinal appearances um, should have gotten to a final. You could see it both ways. This is their last chance to do something to alter the opinion and make it definitive as to what this era was. So to me, ab- definitely, absolutely, they're in the pressure five. Uh, the next one, JJ, I have the Netherlands in it. And here's why. Now, when we talked about them on the last podcast, I don't, I didn't have a ton of praise for them. I think that they're just fine. But the issue for them is they're in a group that was relatively easy. It just got even easier with Sadio Mane being declared out, sadly, uh, for this tournament. So, like, and then if you look at that, okay, like, they gotta win, they'll win the group, most likely. Then they're facing another team that they should be beating, either the U.S., Iran, or Wales, most likely, unless there's an upset. Could be England, but we have to assume right now chalk holds up. Um, and so, like, anything short of quarterfinals for them, Huge failure, huge. That there's pressure associated with that. A lot of it. They're in the pressure five. Next up, JJ. Here we go. England. Partially because there's always pressure when it's England, um, and like beyond that, kind of in the vein, same vein of the Netherlands as the Netherlands, they'll see this group as a cakewalk. They'll see their round of sixteen opponent as a cakewalk. So they can't fall short of either of those things. Not to mention the fact now that like. So English fans always prop England up like we're going to win it. We're going to win it. We're going to win it. They never could. Then it's sort of like that bottomed out. They became a joke in a lot of fans' minds. But then this team went out there and kind of re-earned that reputation after a semifinal appearance and a European championship appearance. Um, So like now they've built their expectations way back up. And maybe they've now swung the pendulum too far where English fans think that they're in the same category as a Brazil or Argentina. 
Um, so for them to live up to the hype that's going to be placed upon them, yeah, there's and it's England to begin with, tons of pressure. Um, next one, JJ, Argentina, mainly because hmm. this is likely Messi's final chance at the one trophy that has eluded. All right, him. and the the sheer idea of that to me is just there's a there's a lot like that's a lot to to take on if you're one of his teammates. Um, that this is like this hero, this I- iconic figure of of any sport in history. This is it. This is the last shot. Pressure. And then finally, Brazil. Um, a, because they're the favorite, so there's always a ton of pressure associated with that. But also because if they don't get a trophy this time around, they tie their longest drought ever. So um, you basically... Brazilian fans will not tolerate that. So you basically looked at the teams that have, uh, you know, always the most expectation on them and just named them. Not necessarily. Belgium, the Netherlands. I mean, I, I think the if, Netherlands always I mean, have expectation. I guess, I guess England. But... England always have. Brazil. I mean, I don't disagree with you. I think you're absolutely right. Um, Argentina as well, because of the feel-good factor. There's nothing worse than saying to everyone beforehand, you're united and together. You better go and show it then. So you're right with that one. That's a good call. Well, I'm right with all of them. <laughs> so that's my pressure five. No, I agree. Why, did I miss any? No, I don't think so. I think I think Portugal is a slight pressure five because they, they do have Ronaldo. They, and, so I, but, but wait... They have Ronaldo. Yeah. I had them and then I deleted it. But So people, so uh, one of the listeners on Reddit got upset that we spent 20 minutes talking about Ronaldo in turn, on, on the Dark Horses podcast there on Tuesday or on Wednesday. And I have no issue with what we did because Ronaldo was the breaking story all over the world. The manager is a problem too in that he is conservative, but they are absolutely loaded. And if they are to... to to negotiate through this whole thing. It won't be because of Ronaldo. Maybe he'll score goals, sure. But it'll be because of Bernardo Silva, João Felix, João Mario. They scored a beautiful goal today, actually, in um, in their friendly game. Uh, so, so, like, you know, uh, I would have added Portugal in there in the in the pressure fight. But, I, I you know, I, I couldn't disagree with what you've yeah. uh, selected there, Andrew. Um, speaking of the pressure five. Oh, thank you. TP. This is it for Southgate if England underperform, question mark. I think it's it for Southgate anyway. I think it's a third tournament. Wow. I think he's done very well so far. Few cracks appearing in the Nations League. Uh, um, like, he was essentially an interim manager that got the job after, like, who was the last manager to manage England? It was Sam Allardyce. Like, people forget that. <laughs> I think... I really do think that Southgate did a great job stabilizing, but there is a, there's a core group of players there and I really feel they should be doing better. And it doesn't matter what I feel. Expectations have been heightened by a run to a semi-final in 18 and then the final at home in Wembley in 2021 in the penalty lost Italy. So I think the FA will look at their pool of players. They'll think, thanks very much, Gareth. Here's a golden handshake and a picture of a spitfire, but you're done. Regardless of what happens at this tournament. Boy, that is fascinating. A semi-final appearance? You think he'd be ushered out? Oh, yeah. I think he's done anyway. I really do think so. And I think he might be done himself. You might be right. Uh, I guess maybe there's a shelf life to this kind of thing. But if they go, I, I guess what I'm wondering is if they go that far, let's say they reach a semifinal, um, maybe he'll think it's time to go and he'll want to do something else. That's another story. But to think that the FA would sort of push him out, 
I don't I'm know. not saying push out. I, I think there'll be a conversation, though, for sure. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. It seems like there's uh, what was it? Was it Mauricio Pochettino who mentioned, you know, kind of like subtly put out there that he'd be interested maybe in managing England. I didn't read. I mean, that... uh, Jack Pitt's <laughs> Jack Pitt Brooks uh, chat with him, but he's going to be a contributor to the Athletic throughout the tournament, so maybe he'll drop more hints. Hmm. What else you got, uh, Stephen Lemons? Um, if you can't have a good question. Uh, like this is just, I mean, this is just perfect. JJ, I would love a pre-pitch talk. I mean, great question. How do we think the pitch will be? Pitch is uh, a nice carpet, dry, need JJ's insight. So, so far, the fields look quite, they look pristine. They look very nice, the training fields that we've seen. Um, I can't believe that Qatar will not have a serious uh, watering system before halftime, during, um, after the game, like that these pitches won't be slick. Um, I, ca- I can't believe that. Now, what's interesting is uh, Brendan Aronson was talking about the heat and he was saying how it's such a different heat to what they're used to. This, this sun heat, this dry, very glaring heat from the sun. And um, I wonder how that will affect... Uh, the movement of the ball and how quickly the the sprinkled fields will dry up um, after their water beforehand. But so far, the grass looks pristine. That's all I can say. Thank God. Uh, let's move on. Uh, Nari Watanabe. Hey, guys. Great pot as usual. For the mailbag, Japan fan here. I think we have a pretty deep squad this year with good players at all three levels. If this Japanese squad were to get out of the group stages, do you think it's more realistic to make it over Spain or Germany? Um, so I would say it's Germany because I feel like they are the weaker of the two powers in that group. I think Spain are slightly slightly more ahead in their rebuild than Germany's relatively new rebuild under Hansi Flick. Uh, as for Japan, they were so impressive to me, albeit against a very unimpressive uh, U.S. men's national team in that September friendly. Uh, they certainly seem deep yeah. enough um, because the manager, uh, Hajime Moriyasu, left Celtics Kyogo out of the squad completely. Now, maybe that's just me being very Celtic-centered or British-centered or whatever, but I thought Kyogo would definitely be in the squad. He isn't. Um, players that I really liked from the friendly and the very limited amount of Japanese football I've seen, um, Ito, Morita, and Endo, um, three midfielders, absolutely brilliant in the game against the U.S., um, I'm not convinced that Maida is clinical enough to lead the line. And again, that's based on what I've seen at Celtic. But I really like the squad otherwise. Interestingly, the man who I mentioned beforehand does a lot in terms of the numbers, Michael Goodman is very strong in Japan and thinks he's going to sneak, that Japan are going to sneak in ahead of either Spain or Germany. Interesting. I Did, I, did he say why? No. He did not. But I would imagine the why is that they're a damn good team. Like, how far ahead of us did they look in that game, Andrew? It was I mean, it was honestly... Jarring. It was frightening. It was frightening to watch. It was. Um, last time we saw them, JJ, in this competition, it was they were playing in one of, <laughs> one of the all-time great World Cup matches, the 3-2 to Belgium. Uh, one of my favorite games of all time. So I was asked to list the three games I've enjoyed so much. Um, and, 
And that was that was one of the three. It was so good. Now, I don't want to delve into like football xenophobia, but what was said about that game was that they were too naive and they kept pouring forward against Belgium and got caught out at the back. Now that that to say they're to say they're naive is a kind of a, a snobbish way of saying, you know, this they're technically great, they're very good, they move the ball, but they don't have that cynicism because they're a younger soccer nation. Uh, relatively speaking. I mean, maybe that's something that they've worked out. It certainly felt in that game that like, hey, hey guys, hold on to this lead. Be more cynical. Slow it down. Shut it down. Um, but they weren't. And, and and in pouring forward, they if I remember correctly, the third goal was uh, where they were caught on the break. I think it was Lukaku scored. Yeah. It was after the Japanese corner, right? That's right. Didn't they send everyone up for the corner? Yeah, pretty much. And then they were exposed and it was it was lights out. I mean it was thrilling to watch as it unveiled, but yeah. Um yeah, it was gut wrenching for Japan. It really was. Um okay, that's that's our Japanese look. Um quick one because at this time of year we're going to bars and we're usually watching the NFL and wings are such a big part of it. This is from the Reddit. Um and one of the guys asks, guys, guys, guys. Boneless or bone-in wings? End the debate, please. I will just say I, mean, I enjoy both immensely. Although I will say I agree with the other Redditors that um, boneless wings are just chicken nuggets, right? Kind of. I mean, look, if I had to choose, I'm taking a, a bone-in wing just because it's just feels right. But, I mean, like, fine, there's a debate. there, And I'll choose bone-in. Let, let's, they're both... They're both incredible. They're both great. All right. Chicken is- They're both sensational, and I'm not throwing any of them away. You put 50 down in front of me, I'll eat all 50. I don't care bone or not. If I had to choose, sure, the bone. Um, traditional, and they're great, but boneless are also awesome. So uh, if there is a debate, okay, I guess I've cast my vote, but uh, yeah, I love them Chicken both, wings, too. chicken nuggets, they are like, uh, they're like mozzarella sticks to me. They're getting plowed through. They're just getting eaten. All right. Uh, San Marzano, also on Reddit. Not really a question, but more of an observation. A lot of fans seem to be underestimating Iran and believe whoever wins between the US and Wales will qualify. Tarimi may be the best player not playing for England in that group on current form, and I have them qualifying a second in the group. Um, I would say it's worth noting that Iran, um, or Iran, I'm trying to say it right, Iran. Iran, right? Iran. Um, Not Iran like uh, the Bush era, um, Iran were uh, dreadfully unlucky to not advance from the group in 2018. And apparently a lot of the same faces are in the squad this time around too. I read this in Sports Illustrated. This may be, you know, it's an outside thing, but it certainly has been impacting the team. Amid ongoing protests in the country surrounding the treatment of women, multiple former members of the national team have been arrested for speaking out. Current national side players have been continuously silenced, leading to more symbolic acts like covering the team's emblem during the national anthem prior to a, um, a warm-up match. A campaign has begun in recent weeks to urge FIFA to disqualify Iran from the tournament due to the ongoing political situation. Um, so that's the off-the-field stuff. I wonder how that might affect the players. Um, the other question is, how fit is Sardar Azmoun? Um, well, and- real quick, real quick to uh, just to talk about what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's been 
I mean, this issue has been, um, it's been incredible to watch this play out. Yeah. And huge figures in Iran going um, basically head to head with, with like the party line on this. I mean, Did, look, I don't, I don't know a ton about Iranian history with, with their football culture and all that, but I know Ali die. I mean, that's like, there are a few Iranian names that I'm familiar with. And, and I certainly know that one. And he um, just last week rejected an invitation to attend the world cup, to stand in solidarity with the, the protesters. Yeah. I mean, like this is, this is, you know, you're seeing some, some real courage from some really prominent figures. I mean, there was the press uh, conference in, with Carlos Queiroz where he was asked directly about the protests and he basically said, how much do you want to pay me to answer that question? <laughs> Which I didn't quite understand what he meant, but it was, it seemed to me. Well, I mean, I know I could, I can. It's more than it my job's you. worth, is it? I mean, it's basically like, if I answer that question, no matter what I say, I'm in trouble. Mm. Like, what am what am I supposed to do? Yeah. I'm the manager of this team. If I answer it and say I'm in solidarity with the protesters, well, I'm out of a job. If I answer it and say I'm in solidarity with, um, with the opposition on that, which I don't think either. I don't know anyone that would be, but but like if he if he stood with that side, then he's a public disgrace. Like, so I mean, I get what he's saying. Like. What, what, how do I, how do I navigate this? Help me. You're going to pay me yeah. to answer that question. Like, so yeah, I guess I, I, I get what he's saying there. Yeah. And, and just back to the football for a second, Carlos Quiros, like, is there a danger that his defensive tendencies will actually stunt Iran's creativity? They were that group when we forget it went to the last game. Um, at, uh, at the world cup in 2018 and, and Iran were very good. And I, I felt then they didn't deserve to go out. They only went out by one point. So I'll be curious. They saved a Ronaldo penalty. That's right. And sh was that the game Ronaldo yeah. elbowed someone and got away with it? Like cracked someone right. in the face. Mm. Yeah, you, you might be right about that. I mean, look, some of like some of the weird feelings about them. By the way, the question was based around them being disregarded. I just want to go on the record and say that I have very much not. Like That is a game that I am terrified if of. If we're not talking about them, um, it's because we don't know a lot about them. As opposed to disrespect, yeah, but like they have, they have a history in this tournament. I mean, they were just, they were just in it four years ago. They've done extremely well in qualifying. Uh, like they've, they've established themselves as a legitimate football nation. So yeah, I mean, I, I fear them definitively. Like I probably, if I were ranking the team between them and Wales, I'd say I'm probably more fearful of Iran than I am the Welsh side. I mean, I, some of the weirdness around them, A, like you said, it's that there's a little more mystery about them because a lot of their players don't play in leagues that we're accustomed to watching very much. Um, some of it is also, like you said, with kind of just the ugliness going on with these protests. I mean, there have been calls for Iran to be disqualified from this tournament mm. uh, just in the last couple of weeks. So like that has deflected from a lot of the on-field stuff for them. And then remember too, like we talked about this back when the groups were announced, uh, and we took a look at Iran when we found out they'd be going up against the U.S. Like all the chaos with their managerial situation, yeah. fired, rehired, then fired again. And like and Kiros brought in. It's just like it feels like there's a lot of dysfunction there. Um, but it's whether or not the players are able to rise above it, which you do see oftentimes off the field distraction can kind of harden a team 
and bring them together in a way where at a major tournament like this, it may, you know, it, it may cause them to kind of just like play inspired football. Yeah. Um, but I, I think there are factors for why maybe uh, people are looking at other elements of them as opposed to focusing on what they'll actually be on the field. Okay. Brady Warren. Hey guys, loving all of the content you guys are doing. Thank you very much. Who do you think will be the biggest disappointment flop in this World Cup? 2014 mm. Spain, 2018 Germany, etc. Um, I don't know. I think uh, I think Belgium are going to struggle potentially. Um, I think in terms of flops, I think England are another one to watch. Just based on their form coming into this and their question marks over key positions, centre-back, midfield come to mind. Um, and... I think that's it really for me in terms of flops. I'm trying to think that's is there great... en- I mean I mean if if Argentina or Brazil don't get beyond a quarter final, I mean that will be seen as a major flop. Um yeah, I guess I guess it depends what you define as a flop. For me, it's like there's always for me it's not getting out of your group. Like there's always one great team or team that we think is a contender that doesn't get out of the group. I feel like it happens every year. Um, it's really hard to predict. I kind of have my antenna up for Portugal right now. Um, I think, I mean, you you all heard me the other night go on and on about Uruguay. Uh, so you know where my sensibility lies in terms of that group. Old Uruguay uh, Andy, people are calling you. Eh, they've called me that for years. It's only just becoming public now. It's just a matter of who could be that other team between Ghana or South Korea to um, to knock Portugal out of that group. It's I mean, look, Portugal are obviously better than both of those teams. Some pretty big upsets will have to occur, but I don't know. They're I don't know. Call it gut instinct. It's just they're the one that I just feel. Maybe it's like it's all the Ronaldo stuff. It's just like the weird negativity coming out of their camp. It's how they play under that manager games that are really tight. If, you know, if sun catches one on the break for South Korea, it could be a one nil win right there. Like, mm. so I, I guess a lot of factors, I just, they're the one I'll be watching for my flop. That's a good question. Though. Is, Someone always does. Yeah, that's right. And quite, uh, I was going to say, finally, I almost said quinally. That's not a word. Uh, where is the merch? Uh, Safe42 and Reddit asks, I absolutely need a t-shirt with Andrew Gundling and JJ Devaney's face on it immediately. Um, so we should say the merch is on the way. Um, we've been working hard and um, hopefully, please God, we will have something uh, for your Christmas stockings. That's That's my hope. That feels early. I don't want to... I'm all about... Uh, under promising and over delivering. I think I'm afraid you're over promising right now. That feels early. Christmas is soon. Right. Have you seen how hard I'm working to get our business up and running? This is not. Whoa. 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 <laughs> this is in no way. It's a shot at me. Of the, you, no, no, no. No, don't you do that. All right. That's not fair to either of okay. us. All right. You've been working incredibly hard. I want to hug you right now. Mm. Don't take this as a slight on you. This is just the way the world works, JJ. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, guys, you will have merch, whether it's at Christmas or in the new year. But in the, in the in, let's say in the coming weeks, which is a vague enough term, uh, we're going to have some nice stuff to send your way. And we hope you like it. And it will be one of the best ways you can support us as a podcast and make sure we keep going. Make sure we have roof 
over our heads and uh, that we can buy a sandwich. That's what it's all about. Just buying a sandwich. Sandwich consumption. Yeah, yeah. I was listening to Bill Burr tonight um, and he just said, look, whatever you're worrying about in the world, if you can go and buy yourself a nice sandwich, then things are going to be okay. That's a nice way of seeing it. It is indeed. That's very nice. So, Andrew, the Um, keynotes to hit for us as we go forward. This is the end of our preview audio series, but we will be live and exclusive on YouTube on Sunday, 9 p.m., gundling on the YouTube. Oh, wow. You're going to have to figure out that basement behind you because right now that is... I know. I mean... I need. Can you come over on Saturday and help me? We we need to jazz that up a little bit because right now it is just literally a laundry room. I'm I'm in the laundry room, I, right I, now. but you got to do. That's not an exaggeration. I know. At least my computer is sitting on of the washing machine. So let me tell you guys: you can see bed sheets uh, behind him. You can see clothes hangers. You can see a pair of Y fronts. Um, you can see uh, a blouse that I think is Amanda's. Uh, you can see the hallway. I mean. I don't want you to turn this into some kind of like, you know, white nationalist broadcast. But if you could put a Star Spangled Banner behind you, it'd be really nice. I, yeah, I, you're right. I th- is it as simple as that? I just need to get a background. What if I just hung a sheet behind me? <laughs> just a sheet. A sheet, yes. No. Ah. <laughs> no, no, that's not going to work. I've already figured well, it out. It can't my... be this. I'm going to figure, I've already figured out my photos, my pictures for behind me. Mine is going to look at least, oh, but, and also in the smuggest way possible, you're going to see my football oh. books because as everyone knows, I adore to read. Yeah. Oh, uh, don't mind that. Oh, that's just war and peace behind me. Don't worry about it. Only read it twice. Oh, sorry. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Christopher Hitchens autobiography. Yeah, no, don't worry about it. No, just just focus. Hey, eyes here, eyes here. Focus Stop on me, not on, on all the knowledge that's gone into my <laughs> head. Uh, I can't wait for that for us to be live on YouTube. Look, um, and by the way, you are the king of lowering expectations. This is our first time on a YouTube live, so you need to go and subscribe, click the notifications, and enjoy what you see. But know that this is our first one, so judge yeah. us accordingly. Be be. Be understanding of the fact that every so many things will go wrong. All right, just know that, and and like JJ said, accept it. Uh, the sooner you do, the sooner you can enjoy the content. I mean, nothing really should go wrong. It's a fairly straightforward process. But if Andrew suddenly went on fire, it wouldn't shock me. Yeah. No, no. That's that is. If you're playing caught offside live stream bingo, there is definitely a, a square that says Andrew spontaneously combusts. <laughs> um let's see before we get out jj yep. uh i don't know if it's if we want to at least like acknowledge a couple other things that have happened um i know it's really late and you want to go to bed but like are will we ever see ivan tony again yeah um so ivan tony has been gambling um and gambling on football according to the fa and so he's fi- and doing so many many times many times like multiple times and again we've hit this juncture where uh, we discover a player has been gambling and we're like, okay, you shouldn't do that. That is a breach of, of rules. And then you realize that for every single game he's played in the past two seasons, at least he's had Hollywood bets across the front of his Jersey. And there's that weird relationship that football has 
They're very, very happy in the Premier League and, and even down in the EFL to take gambling money, but not so happy when players gamble. Uh, we don't know the extent of it. I, I remember we had a lot of details when Kieran uh, Trippier had his um, his incident with gambling. We knew we knew text messages. We knew exactly kind of what people were gambling on, which was his transfer, and he was telling them to. Well, it wasn't just. It wasn't really people. Like if you family, compare, like, relatives, I don't, friends. I don't know his friend. Like he basically told his friends that he was going to be that this was this move was going to be happening. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, like if you compare that, like that, there's a little more to it, but like this feels a lot more serious well, than that. Well, let's wait and see exactly what the details are of of the right. of the gambling. I don't want to I don't want to pile on him because I don't think I think there is a hypocrisy in football about how it how it deals with gambling. Um, you, Look, you're, yeah, that, you're right. There is, but by the same token, like, fine, but. Like you know the rules though. Whether or not you like them, there's no there's no secrets here. There's no like, well, I got a, a gambling uh, sponsor on my chest, so I, it must be okay for me to do it. No, no but like but, yeah, you have that on your but chest. Don't, like but you still know it's not okay. For don't you to do simplify it. it like that, Andrew. The culture in England and in the United Kingdom of gambling is is huge. Like you can't sit down as a regular person, or even as a professional person, or as a player, or an administrator, or anybody. And turn on the game without being flooded with gambling adverts. It's absolutely ubiquitous. It's absolutely everywhere. So what? But hang on. That doesn't. It does not give. What do you mean? So what? You know the rules if you're a player. You don't know the figures of 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 gambling addiction and and people who gamble in the United States. It's at it's it's at a huge huge rate. And the idea that players who have all this free time would not be somehow sucked into it is just absolutely it's so naive. It's so incredibly naive. Whether it be getting people to place bets for them or doing it themselves under Fugazi accounts or whatever it is. The, the idea that it doesn't happen, especially those with such disposable income and time, crazy. Absolutely crazy to think that that that's not I'm case. not saying that it doesn't happen. I'm saying that like we shouldn't excuse it when it does. Who's excusing? I'm not excusing. I'm just saying there's a weird relationship there. Hmm. I don't know what you're saying. It's very clear what I'm like saying, it. I think. I don't know. Yeah. Well, anyway, it feels like we're headed towards a lengthy suspension. Again, I'd want to see the details. Him betting on games that he's involved in is hugely problematic. We don't know that that's the case. That's fair. I suppose we will wait for for further evidence. But the reports at this, uh, I don't think this would have come out if there was nothing. I, it's, and it's I a shame because this, is, this is a guy who strived and fought and through his brilliant play, got himself right back to the top. Um, and I and I hit a week ago. We we were wondering why he wasn't included on the team. Well, you wondered did this play a factor in it that England didn't want the noise of a guy who was pending suspension in the squad? Uh, yes, I would say that that I'm sure they knew that this was coming, and I'm sure that the, if it was close between Ivan Tony and Callum Wilson, and one of the guys had a pending gambling controversy swirling around him while the other has nothing yeah i could i could see that swaying their decision i know i know it was the end of joey barton's career but a gambling fine finished him as a player at burnley and um and it it it, it, the irony was lost not lost on me that the one of the stands under which he plied his trade for burnley was uh was sponsored by a gambling company too so 
I mean, Dur- yeah, by the way, the, the FA did come out and say today that uh, that Tony was not chosen for the English team on footballing grounds. Now, they have to say <laughs> that course. they don't want to make it seem like Callum Wilson is there on a technicality. They have to have their players back. Uh-huh. So, look, maybe it's true, but even if it wasn't true, they wouldn't tell you that. So so I don't really know. I don't really take much from it. No, neither do I. Anyway, it's a shame. Anyway. Yeah, it is. It is a shame. Uh, he's having a brilliant season, 10 goals so far this season. And like we said, nearly nearly found him, his way into a World Cup. Um, it's sad. It is sad. Uh, that's, is that it? That's it, my friend. That is it. We're oh under the hour mark. It's a, it's, it's wonderful. It's a nice little, little, uh, bite, um, for everybody as we, uh, go into the world cup. I would say, check out our YouTube as well. We've got, um, the African nations broken down each one of them in a nice little segment on YouTube, um, with me and Olawashina of the BBC who comes on and talks about uh, about the countries that uh, often don't get a lot of shine, don't get a lot of uh, mention. And uh, we did record it before Sadio Mane was ruled out of the Senegalese team, but oh. um, but he's pretty high on Morocco. Yeah, you know, we should mention, I mean, I know we, that's the Sadio Mane thing, like, that makes me sick that that happened to him. Oh. Yeah, it's a real shame. It really is. And um I you know I don't want to blame the time in the World Cup or whatever. I just I'm just sad for him because um, he's such a fantastic player and he deserves to be on the biggest stage. So it's a it's a real shame. Um, and what what is he thirty? Is Mane thirty one? Uh, uh, Mane is thirty, I believe. Is he? I'll, I'll look it up. But yeah, he's thirty years. Either he's way, thirty like, years of age. He's, he'll be thirty one okay. in April. So I mean, look if. Like he'll he'll be a part of the Senegalese national team, I'm sure, four years from now. Whether or not they qualify for this tournament, like getting, I mean, well, the next World Cup is what forty. That's the forty eighteen one. So, I'd say there's a, a probably a good chance that Senegal will be in it. So, uh, he'll he might have another bite at the apple, but in his prime, like this version of Sadio Mane, in a group like this where there's there's room for them to really make some noise in this tournament. Oh man, ah, like ah, nah, I don't like it. Doesn't make doesn't leave you feeling good, not by any stretch of the imagination. And by the way, this might be to the U.S.'s benefit, but I can't. I don't know. I can never be one of those fans that just like finds any any room for for joy in something like this. I think it's. I hate that this happened. Honestly, he's for like Senegal could be a really fun story, um, and now it's it feels hard to see that with him not playing. It it sucks. It uh, it definitely sucks. You want to see all the best players playing in this tournament. And he will not be there. That's a, that's a shame. Um, so there you go. We, I should say, JJ, I'm going to see you. I can't wait. I'm going to see you, uh, depending on when you're listening to this, I guess, later tonight. Uh, as So the Michael K Show is a, a radio show in New York, and they're doing this thing that's their 20th anniversary, and they've kind of created what they've called like a, a podcast row where they've invited some, I guess, notable podcasts. And they invited us, which was really cool. Mm. Um, I will get there as soon as I can, but I know you'll, it seems like you'll be there holding it down and then we're going to, we're going to hang out you and me, a whole group of people afterwards. I can't wait. I can't wait to see you, my man, put my arms around you, give you a big old hug. Oh yeah. A nice pre world cup celebration night. Ah, oh man, I could, I could use that. That's gonna be fun. 
Hey, this was fun as well. I've enjoyed this thoroughly. Thank you for everybody who uh, got your your questions into this one. For those who did not, all I can say is JJ apologizes, <laughs> um, but continue to send all of them. I tried the to reply to everyone. So I know I, I believe you. I believe you. Um, but please continue like interacting with us over the course of this tournament. We can't wait and do so definitely Sunday night for our live pod. Assuming that technical difficulties don't derail us, it should be a true joy. Uh, hey. I'll see you later tonight, my friend. To you, I say... Check you later, phone boy. See you. Take care. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. 